0: Hello everybody and welcome to Weekly Monger Recap. It is June the 15th of 2017. We're doing this show 12 hours off from when we normally do it. We're very tired because it's, the sun's out and stuff and it's, it's, it's wrong. It's unnatural.
1: It's sinister, you could almost say. Yes. There's some kind uh, of machinations about or something. Uh,
0: I, I, I will, I will kill the sun and become the sun of this new world. Or something like that. We're yeah. talking about Death Note today.
1: <laughs> Before we talk about Death Note, Nick, I have a real quick story to share with you. <laughs> you've got you've
0: got energy for freaking tangents, man.
1: <laughs> I do, yeah. It's the only thing that keeps me alive. Uh so I mentioned previously that I, I work a grocery store retail job and I, I mentioned a story about uh dropping all those boxes in front of the assistant store manager. And saying, like, oh, I'm sorry, it's my dad never taught me to play catch. Never me yeah. Play catch yeah. And and you'd think, uh, like, well that's surely gonna be like the worst thing he's gonna say to somebody uh who's one of like, the higher ups <laughs> of the store. No, within <laughs> days you could say of it. Uh so the store manager at the store I work at is a, actually a very cool guy. Um he seems like I was told several times by people he has a really good sense of humor. He's somebody who you know, he could just sit in his, you know, office all day and everything like that, but he prefers to be out on the floor, working on things, helping out, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but he also has a poster of the troll-a-low guy in his, his, his office. So, like cle- the Russian singer troll Yeah, exactly. Like with the quote and everything like that. So clearly, like, he's a guy with a little bit of sense of humor. And my first interaction with him was, uh, I was, one of the first things I was there, someone told me to go grab this one cart that was in the Nile, um, I grabbed it, and it was, I didn't realize it was his, and he passed by me, I didn't know who he was at first, and he's like, was this your, like, did you find this cart or something like that? Yeah, I was like, yeah, I just grabbed it, and I realized until afterwards, like, oh... The reason he asked because it was his cart and I stole it from him. So so I saw him later on that day and I I caught him and I was just like, "Hey, I just wanted to apologize to you. I didn't mean to steal your cart." And he was like, "No, it's fine. Don't worry about it. You know, I don't know what anyone's told you about me, but I'm not that kind of guy." And I was like, "No, no, you don't understand. If I didn't do it, the Catholic guilt would eat me up inside." And he he was like, "That's funny. That's great. That's you know, that's a really good line." Okay, good. I was like, "Cool. This guy is good with jokes." Which- so he'll hear, he'll hear this. My dad
0: he never taught me to make Hedge Line, and he'll, he'll love me.
1: That was a bad idea for me to get that notion in my head, but I was like, this dude just loves to joke around. This will go oh, great. Oh, no. So the, a couple of nights later, I'm closing And um, I don't know if you've ever worked like a retail job that has this sort of uh, term before, but essentially one of the things you have to do is uh, what we call blocking. I think when I worked at Target, they called it zoning. Essentially, you just go to the aisle and you pull items forward on the shelf so that they're all at the end of the shelf so people can see all the product on the shelf, everything like that. It just gives the store a nicer appearance, things like that. Right, right, sure. And uh I'm I'm going to do that and uh the store manager comes by, he's like, Hey, make sure you do a really good block and seasonal and I'm like, Absolutely, I'm gonna go do that. I'm gonna do that for him. So I'm 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 doing this great block and seasonal, I finish up, I'm I'm heading the clock out, and I pass by and I'm like, Hey, I'm headed out. He's like, Great, did you get that block done seasonal and I'm like, I'm gonna say a funny line here that's gonna really win this guy over. I was like, Oh, I blocked the metaphorical tits off a of seasonal <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like, Whatever, as long as it's done <laughs> he's like I don't care whatever as long as it's finished I was like oh no it turns out he's not as cool as I thought I found the line and crossed it oh no
0: oh no our senses of humor aren't perfectly in sync however shall I survive this job (laughs)
1: In, in, in at least, like, the happy ending to the story, he seems to at least not, like, held it against me or anything like that. I think right, it was right. it probably just being like, it's the end of the day, I don't have time for this nonsense. There's right. definitely a moment of, like, abject sadness and shock, and was like, oh no, he's not cool with all my jokes.
0: He would never have chosen you to carry on his will as Kira, Chris. <laughs> he wouldn't
1: have. I wouldn't have
0: been You're not permanently in sync with his
1: ideals. <laughs> I wouldn't have been worthy. I'd have been, like, the, the goobery, fumbly Misa to his... Perfect light. Oh.
0: Let's just get into talking about this series, because I don't know how long this conversation is going to last, even though we both are really tired. <laughs> <laughs> um, Death Note. Uh, it's a sh- series that, um, honestly, I think it was kind of one of those things where it's like, cause this anime debuted in 2006, the anime based on the series, I think. So, around the time that we were you know ascending into adulthood was around the time that you know this this show was coming out and uh, it was the show that for our generation i think got a lot of people going oh see you know like it's, anime could be like mature and 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 stuff you know it's not all just like uh superhero crap hmm. and uh since then, I think my view on my views on the series have changed quite a bit because you know I'm a different person than I was when I first encountered it. Oh
1: yeah, there's absolutely a lot of, of change to that regard. Yeah. Um But it is worth noting that Death Note when it came out, because I originally, I, I guess you started with the the anime then. Yeah. Okay. I read the manga initially, and it was a big change for me in this series because this was another this was a Jump series. I think it was the Jump advanced line which was a line that was usually a bit more like a baroque collection of titles sometimes it would include series that weren't from Jump per se but like one of the side magazines or things like that but it's basically a way of designating something different but it was very significant though because it was a Jump series that wasn't about battling that wasn't about fighting somebody that wasn't a One Piece Naruto or something similar to Bleach or anything like that it was very starkly different and it was something that did hold that notion of being like hey my like somebody doesn't know what manga really is about and I like I guess the best way to say it is this is the the only manga I've ever been able to lend to my sister that she was able to enjoy because it was just a bit more of like a universal kind of premise that didn't have all of the oddities of Japan concentrated into it or all the shounen tropes or things like that that you know people outside of our you know taste maybe just wouldn't be able to tolerate
0: Right, all the um, all the stuff like you know in One Piece or whatever. They were like, "Oh,
1: this is so cool!" Yeah. That some people are just like, "What are you watching?" They're like, I don't get it. So he stretches. He's like, "Mr. Fantastic." I'm like, "No, you don't understand. He's better than Mr. Fantastic because he uses his powers in a more innovative ways. So like, so he's Mr. And Fantastic. And he's a pirate. <laughs> yeah. So that makes you- him double cool. You took a bite of gum, gum.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I encountered the series as an anime. I Watched it basically all in one go, um, just a little bit after I think that it finished up, like one or two months after it's, it finished airing was when I actually uh, just watched it all in one go. And, uh yeah, I mean, I really liked it. And uh, I talked about it later, and almost the universal perception of it seems to be like, oh, the first two thirds are great kind of wish they'd stop there. <laughs> <laughs> it,
1: it is. It is uh, a series that definitely has, uh, I don't know if I'd call it thirds. It, to me, it's two halves. I know there is kind of a two it's, thirds. It is, it, is two,
0: it is two halves in the
1: manga. Yeah. Um, I could see where you could put like a third into it. Like if you split into thirds and the first third would be basically up to the point when Light like, starts working with L. Mm-hmm. And, and go then go on the, from and there. And then the
0: Yatsuba, the Yatsuba group uh, thing. And, and then, then the last... Yeah, the yeah. last third is the time skip, sure.
1: Yeah, you could put it into that. But, uh, yeah, that was the perception I've had, uh, certainly going into this. And, you know what, uh, regardless of, uh, what I'm actually gonna say as to my thoughts and feelings of the series changing, I will still say that this series, uh, quality does drastically decline once it, it gets is to that time skip. Incredible. How big a drop off there actually is?
0: Like, I've got some like things that, yeah, I did. I did come away with this feeling differently about a few different characters. But yeah, honestly, that last bit of it is just. I mean, we'll get to talk about it, I'm sure, in more detail. But yeah. I mean, it is no surprise that that's the general perception that you know, it's like, you know, once once L is gone, then oh well, oh, well shit. <laughs>
1: And it kind of sucks, because you really can't, like, it's all those things like, well, you just pretend that the series ended after the de- Devil Bats won the Christmas Bowl. Like, you really don't want to end on, like... You can't end on Elle on <laughs> winning. <laughs> L- yeah, it's like, hey, Elle's dead and Light wins, and he becomes the new god-savior of the world with his ridiculous power trip. Um,
0: Spoilers. No.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Uh, this is definitely, t- <laughs> this is definitely not an it, episode I'd recommend anyone listen to if they haven't already encountered the
1: series. <laughs> is is this? And this is maybe a quasi tangent. Is L dies considered like the Snape kills Dumbledore of the I manga, is, tro- like the spoiler world? Like that's just the big equivalent there. Everyone. Knows I do think
0: I movie. do think that uh, it was a meme at one point. Honestly, I think that L dies law was was a meme around the time that the series was getting popular. You know, because obviously that's the biggest spoiler that you can have, and it's you just oh, yeah. tell people who wins <laughs> in their uh, one-on-one contest. Um, God, I keep on thinking of a point and then forgetting it. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I'm not surprised that that's the general perception of the series because, well, honestly, I think that it has to do with the fact that from the very beginning of it, Light and L are set up as the two sides of the story, and then one of the sides is killed, so. From there, you know you're. No matter what you're going to do, like it, it's like you know. Well, bleach killed off Aizen. What the hell are you going to do now? You know, Naruto killed off Hachimaru. Well, what the hell are you gonna uh, are you gonna do now? Dragon Ball killed off Frieza. You know, if you kill off like the force that the protagonist is going against that is most associated with that series, then everything after that is going to be perceived as a drop off. It's just an. It, it's just something that you can't overcome, mm-hmm. honestly. So, I guess we should start at the beginning. (laughs) For those of you who never encountered this series, and hey, you know what? Honestly, um, it's possible because, especially because, hey, we're getting we're getting you know like a new generation kind of audience now because we've been doing this podcast for long enough. Maybe you know you've never encountered the series before. Uh, Death Note is basically uh, this very famous, very successful uh, series that uh, aired what was it? I think it was like 2004 when the manga started off.
1: I want to say yeah, so, it's been about 15 years a little under I think since the series kind of came out and started really going.
0: Uh, a relatively short series because it's exactly 108 chapters oh. uh, 12 volumes um, but for a series so short it caught on really quickly and very strong uh, there, is, there is a movie series based on it in which L wins by the way uh, there's, like, a frickin' musical, which is, sounds remarkably inappropriate for the tone of the whole thing. Uh, and of course, there's an anime which is amazing <laughs> in how ridiculously over-the-top it is. Uh, I, I, you advertised this with a with a famous moment from it. Yeah, uh, the, uh, I'll take a potato chip
1: and eat it! <laughs>
0: <laughs> because, you know, there's not a whole lot of action going on, no. and Madhouse was just like, well, we've got to put the budget somewhere.
1: <laughs> well, like, it's also just the thing, like, for a series, you need to have moments of dramatic tension, or just those, those, like, points of gravitas, and Death Note, by and large, is a series of a lot of people talking, so you kind of had to find places... And thinking. Like, you could easily do it when it's one of those turnabout moments, when it's something like, oh, what you didn't realize is you touched that piece of the Death Note I dropped, so now you see Ryuk and you're freaking out. Like, you could easily do it there, but then other times it's like, they didn't have one of those in the episode. They you just
0: have a lot of face-to-face confrontations, honestly.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're like, uh, sometimes you just have to put it in that point when it's like, hey, Light's hiding a television inside of this bag of chips, and he's he's pretending to eat chips. <laughs> so yeah, to trick it. everyone. <laughs>
0: Have, have, you know, like, uh, Light is sitting in a helicopter and turning his face away from El so he won't see him making the stupidest fucking face.
1: <laughs> I <win. laughs> Exactly as planned. <laughs> I, I didn't stumble around or anything to this
0: answer. <laughs> I totally planned for all of this to happen, right? <laughs> so. The main premise of everything is that death gods are real. Shinigami are real. There are grim reapers, essentially, who look over the earth and kill humans by writing their names in their notebooks, which are called death notes. Uh, there are a long string of rules associated with how death notes work. But the main ones are if you write someone's name down and while you're thinking about their face... And within 40 seconds, they'll die of a heart attack. Or you can also add details if you want them to die another way. Ryuk, who is the main Shinigami in the series, gets bored one day. So he drops a spare death note that he happens to have and leaves it for someone to pick up. And a Japanese teenager named Light, which is a fucking weird name (laughs) in whatever language, just picks it up and uh, he sees that there are rules in the front. So he tests it out discovers that he can kill people with it and decides, I'll use this to kill criminals. And at first it starts off, you know, with him, like, should I really do this? By the end of the first chapter, though, he's just like, I will pass judgment upon all the scum of the earth and lead us to a, a, a time of prosperity, and I will be the god of the new world.
1: Yeah, I guess it would have been a much more dry series if it's just, like, it's 60 straight chapters of it debating whether or not to try the death Should of I do the this? <laughs> It's like, hmm, I don't know. I mean, I really don't like uh another Katherine Heigl comedy with Gerard Butler. I can't. I, I can't. This. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> that, that's his breaking point. He's like, I just can't do another Seth Rogen, James Franco movie. I can't. <laughs> Oh damn it, his stupid face, his stupid grinning face! They're like, giving mean, Amy Schumer another movie? Why? The leather special was awful! The movie was awful! Nobody sees is this
0: Big Bang, Bang Theory getting- Oh, and there's a Sheldon prequel now! Not in my world! Not as the new god! <laughs> damn it, what the fuck is his real name? I forget it. I just keep on <laughs> putting down Sheldon Cooper and he won't die! <laughs> um. so, now, Some people react to this by being like, hey, there's someone killing off all the awful people in the world. Fucking yeah! And there's this entire internet subculture that develops, which soon becomes an actual cult around Kira, which, you know, is the Japanese way of saying killer, but whatever. But then there's the police who are like, yeah, there's this guy who's just killing people with no judge or jury to decide if they should be guilty or not. So he is committing murder and we should stop him. In fact, he is a serial killer because he keeps on fucking doing it. So they call him the world's greatest detective, uh, who is only known as L. And, uh, L is fucking amazing. Like he is as, like Light is known as this, you know, very ridiculously smart, uh, and ruthless uh, killer, but L is easily the most memorable character in the series. I think that there is basically no debate about that. Um, he's incredibly odd. He's a very Columbo kind of detective where he's so off putting and socially awkward and he looks so weird and he holds himself in such a weird posture Uh but he's also incredibly brilliant and has an amazing deductive ability. Some bizarre type of charisma about him as well. Mm. And L gradually starts to put the piece together and is trying to track down Kira. Uh, and he's it's a race to see if Light can kill L before he is uncovered. For the first half of the series. Yes. Because L dies in the middle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Spoiler. Snape kills Dumbledore. Uh, so... I I want want to kind of start off with a big thing here in this reread. And this is what this is. We mentioned at the start of this. We both have uh, seen this series previously. So for us, this is a – for me, it's specifically a reread. But for you, it was reading the manga, but the manga of a series you've already seen sort of thing. And the Um, anime and manga
0: are pretty close to each other. mm -hmm. There are definitely some differences, particularly at the very, very end. Uh, But the main plot, you know, it's not like, you know, there's – An extra, you know, opposing force that was left out or introduced or anything like that. All the main plot elements and characters are the same.
1: Yeah. So, you know, with that in there, one of the big things I was kind of looking for is like, well, let's see how this series holds up because this has been, as I said, about 15 years, a little less, a little over a decade. And I read this series at a very critical point in my life. I was really starting to get into manga at this point. And I want to say I was probably like 15, 16 at the time the series came out. And I'm not going to lie. Uh, I was way into light at that time. I thought light was the coolest. I thought light was the right answer. I, I like, I was so into it. And I was definitely like, if you were, to, if it was like civil war was happening, I would have been hashtag team light. Cause I was on that guy's side. Like I remember like when you put light dying at the top of your most satisfying deaths, uh, list. I was like, well, I'm not going to say anything, but I firmly disagree. He deserved better. <laughs> and and I said that all, like, being eight years removed from this series. So I was kind of going in just like, I wonder how this holds up. I wonder how much I do. Because there... There was an argument into liking Light that became very separate from the actual person he was, and upon rereading it, I was like, holy shit, Light's such an unlikable cunt Just the He's entire a- series! He's <laughs> such a dickhead! Nobody should like this guy! And
0: it's ridiculous, because, like, honestly, I can totally see how you could make the conclusion of, hey, Light's well, actually pretty cool. Because if there's one thing about this series that I think is it's, honestly, its main flaw, it's that... Oba, the writer, does not do a good enough job of showing just how wrong he is. Uh, because at various points, it is reiterated by the actual heroes, you know, L, later on, Nier, that Light's a fucking psychopath, and he's a murderer, and he needs to be stopped because his vision of justice is fucking wrong. Um, but there are so many times where Light just gets to look cool. And yeah. It's like he, he's people, you know, women fawn over him. He's he's cool. He's intelligent. He comes up with all these ridiculous plans. uh He's charismatic. And. I think they can have all of that, but you also need They also need to put more of an emphasis on the fact that he is a remorseless sociopath. And it comes through too subtly. And for a more mature audience than this series was intended for, that would be perfect because, honestly, it makes more sense for him to just not give a shit when he kills off people or when he gives no value to their lives. It's much more effective to do that. Like, for example, at one point, his sister gets kidnapped, and he's just thinking, should I kill her? <laughs> just because. It's because, like, not because, because, you know, it could potentially lead to him losing an advantage of some sort. And then his decision to not kill her has nothing to do with, no, of course not, she's my sister. It's, no, because she's on the list of suspects, and if she's killed, that means she's not Kira, and it 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 leads more attention to me being, like, freaking Kira. (laughs) That's the only reason he doesn't kill her. Yeah.
1: um, His sister. (laughs) It's something that's kind of interesting early on, and... I didn't – maybe I just didn't pick up on all these things that he says at the start of the series, but – then the, trying to go into this with the notion that Light is this noble hero who's like, he's like the punisher, he's like you don't understand, there's no extremes too far enough, you know, you gotta put these guys down, sort of mentality, it doesn't really work because he's really in it for himself, as you mentioned he wants to be the god of this new world I completely forgot there's a point where he mentions uh it's after Ryuk offers him the ideal, where he's like, but can I trade for other parts of you? Because if I could have your wings, I could fly over everyone as their new god haha ha, and you're like well, that's a weirdly telling thing.
0: Like, and Rick's like, are you fucking serious? And he's like, it's just a joke. And he's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: for for anybody, like, for, again, because this was my mentality at this point when I was younger. I was like, well, Light's just this, you know, he's the justice that has to go to every extreme. And it's like, he's not. He's just, he's not an altruistic human being. He's making a sacrifice for what must be done. He really is just a selfish child who's on a really bad power trip right now. He might have had maybe maybe noble attentions at the very start, but those wildly spin out of control after, like, the second person he kills. After that, it's all like, I am the new god to this
0: world! The point that gets made at the very end of the series, the Nier says, where Nier tells him, because goes on this whole thing where he's completely cornered, he's got no options left in order to get out of this, so he basically just tries to, to convince people to just... Someone to just take his side by saying, like, no, look at how great I am. Look at how, you know, there's all this scum in the world, and the world's a better place now that, you know, they live under Kira. And, you know, I'm the only one who could have done this. I'm literally, I had no choice. I had to take on this responsibility. And you're just like, fuck you.
1: <laughs>
0: you're, you're a complete raging psychopath. Like, any normal person would have discovered this maybe they would have experimented with it a few times but after they saw that it worked and they could kill people with it a normal person would have been like Jesus Christ and they would have stopped using it and no you were just like I'll be the guy of the new world fuck you
1: <laughs> yeah it's the level to which he attaches himself to it and puts himself into this new messiah figure for this new world that's really what's like Oh, you're not – and he's just such a – like, again, because I'm not – I'm, you know, 10 years – I'm almost 30 now. I was 15 when I read this series, essentially. Light's not as cool to me now because a lot of the shit he's doing, I'm like, oh, God, fuck off, kid. Like, he's just a lot of, like, douchey teenager sort of things. Like, he's just like, yeah, a lot of girls like me, you know, whatever. I'm just going to use one as the part of one of my plan, but – I don't really care. It's just like, oh, fuck off, you fucking annoying little prick. He doesn't care about anyone or anything. Like his
0: own his own dad dies, and he makes a big display about crying over him. But honestly, he's just like, God damn it, why couldn't he have written Mello's name down before he died? <laughs> yeah,
1: it, it, it's harsh. It's harsh. And oh man, upon you know rereading this series, it only went to further hammer home just how. Unfortunate and sad, I find a the light—the life of Light's dad, uh, mm-hmm. who I consider probably to be the only like, outright like the most heroic character in the series, just because he's not childish like L, and he's he's throwing himself into every frontline situation that there is, essentially, and the levels of like just grief he has to be just. Just, like, conga through throughout the mm-hmm. series of just like, hey, we're gonna put up surveillance in your, your family's home because we suspect all of your p- family might be doing this. Or, oh hey, I know you had a heart attack, but we gotta get back out into the job for this stuff. Cause yeah, hey, pretty much. yeah, like, don't forget your son's still out there and we think he's the one suspect and all that. It's, it, it's brutal.
0: Honestly, I think that the point where the series honestly really took the biggest nose dive was not actually after Elle died because I think that the stuff where they're tracking down Mello is still interesting. But uh it's after he dies that I think that there's like really nothing interesting happens after that until you get to the very end. Like all this stuff of like, oh, they have to decide who's the new face of Kira and all this who gives a shit. Yeah. And none of the investigations are interesting because Nier's broken as fuck. So all that you really have is the very end of the series where like it's cornered. That that, that whole sequence I think is is pretty good. But like so Ichiro dies and then Melo disappears and they're like, okay, well we're just going to do like, you know, a bunch of sitting around and talking and Nier's figured everything out kind of magically. Um, so it, it really does take a big hit after he goes away. So I think that, I mean, there were four characters I think who I really started to get a very different mindset about on this read through as opposed to the first time I experienced the series. Um, one of them was Light, as we've gotten over. I got—I mean, like, God, he's just... <laughs> when you take out all the big moments of where all, the, all of this gravitas added by the animation, the music, the pacing of the anime, you really do just have hammered home how much of a dick he is. And so I was just like, wow, this guy sucks. L was another one because I honestly gained more of an appreciation for him, even though I already really liked him. Uh, because you get to see how he puts things together really well. Uh, you know, he goes, the way that he narrows down the suspects from the beginning of like, Oh, I figured that you were in Japan, uh, based on when the killings started. I did this. So I, you know, I took an educated guess and we ran this and then you confirmed my theory because you killed this guy that I showed on TV only in this area. So I narrowed it down to here. Uh, based on your, your psychological profile, narrowed down here, and you did something to confirm it. You know, he he makes educated guesses, and then he takes steps to confirm them. So by the time that he narr- gets it down to, you know, like 10 or 20 people, the fact that he's narrowing in so hard on light makes perfect sense. Because, like, hey, I've only got so many people to consider. This guy makes the most sense. I'm pretty sure it's him. And the more that I poke him and I test him, the more my theory gets confirmed. And to the point where when you're seeing inside of his head when Light makes his big final gambit uh, to convince him that he's not Kira, you know, Ella's, like, listening to him, and he's like, okay, what the fuck are you up to? You know, you're telling me these things, and I know you're Kira, but what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you know, it, it all fits together and makes perfect sense.
1: Yeah. So. There's a lot of really fun sort of moments there between the two of them, because I think that's the one thing I definitely did, find I still appreciate is the conflict between the two of them this this battle between L and light and I guess this is one thing I also kind of forgot about is you know it's a thing that's very commonly mentioned that light's a petulant child. He does things honestly because he likes to win, likes to gloat. But they also kind of like reaffirmed in my mind as like, oh, and El's kind of that way too, and yeah, that's why El
0: they... L- L- admits, you know, like he's like me, he doesn't like to lose, you know? yeah.
1: <laughs> and that's why they keep coming at each other with these enormous, grandiose gestures, like all these like like cutting things and. It, it, the... It's one of those things where I'm like, I can't tell if it's just I wouldn't be able to connect these dots or if it's just the writers giving L this knowledge. But like the moment you immediately like sees that one suicide note that's like, L, Lord, blah, 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 blah. But the like first words are like, L, uh, do you know? And he's just waiting for suicide notes to come in for things like that. And it's like, do you know gods of death love apples? And you're just like, what a fucking cockhead light is. <laughs> <laughs> like, what a fucking dickbag this dude is just to go to this level, just to be like, Suck it! I'm showing you this cool power I have and you're just a big loser because you can't stop it. One of the
0: things that I really grew to appreciate about L is that, like, he's weirdly upfront about certain things. He does things in a certain way that you can tell that he is a good person. You know, White, it's very much one of those things where it's like, you know, White is this, you know, he appears to be this perfect, you know, wonderful, uh, youth who will lead Japan into the next era and all that shit, but deep down he's this asshole. Whereas L shows up, you know, to freaking like college uh opening ceremonies and freaking freaking slacks and a, a long sleeve t shirt, he's like, Ugh, uh, yeah, if, you know. Um, but he his sense of justice is actually based on like, you know, this is the law, and we have to stop this person. He's willing to sacrifice lives, but he. Does it in such a way that it's like, well, for example, when Misa enters into things and there are people who are going into the studio and the first one dies, which leads into one of your big Soichiro moments. He's like, hey, don't go there. And they're like, but we have to do something. He's like, yeah, but that guy just died. So if you go there, you're going to die, too. So I know that you joined this whole investigation and you're willing to put your lives on the line. But don't sacrifice your life for something stupid. You're gonna go there and you're not gonna make a difference. And of course, Soichiro is the one who comes up with a way to go there and be a badass and solve the problem without getting himself killed.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's there's certain moments I, I think I've mentioned this before, maybe like Q and A's or things like that we've done, where I've mentioned probably the most like palpable experience I've ever had reading manga has come from Death Note. The only few times I can think of where I've had like visceral physical reactions while reading the series have been through Death Note. And one of those was the scene that you just mentioned. Whereas that moment where Light's dad is they have to get to this this television station because the second cure is basically gonna do this big act, it's gonna result in a lot of people dying. So but she's killing everybody who comes in because she has the eyes that lets her see people's names. So the only way for her to get him is to just drive a bus into the place, and that way she can't see him. But then they're like, oh, shit, how is he going to get killed when he gets out? And then, like, they're like, hey, he gets, like, a call, like, hey, you can come outside. He's like, I don't understand. She's going to kill me. And he steps outside, and there's just a wall of different, like, uh, Essentially, like, riot squads, uh, officers in full, like, helmets and shields that have just created this barricade th- that will prevent, uh, Misa from being able to see him. And it was one of those moments where I just, like, I had to, like, fist pump because I was so excited that Light's dad, like, it was like everybody came to help him out and Light's dad gets out of this. His bravado didn't get him killed. Because you have to understand, Light's dad getting killed was a threat the entire freaking series. You constantly assumed that this guy was going to die because he was he, he was oh,
0: just... a retirement.
1: <laughs> yeah, well it's just he was a disposable kind of character. It wasn't like he was light or L himself, where you weren't like this dude dying is going to be a f- crux to say like switch the entire series on. He was somebody who could die at any point. He had that vulnerability. So there was definitely a lot of those notions of just like I like, is this the moment when he dies? You knew it'd be something he'd die doing something reckless, you know, maybe something heroic, but you knew it was going to happen, and it just, like, they kept teasing it. And that was the moment I was like, oh, no, they're going to kill him. Oh, shit, he made it, yeah! Uh, the other moment, though, uh comes in the moment when there's a third Kira, and there's this, you know, incredibly intense car chase happening in the series as basically like, a bunch of different people are trying to do things and react to things, and the third Kira's, like, on the road trying to escape and it was a moment where, in reading, I was like, "Holy shit!" My heart's actually like physically racing as I flip through these pages. Like it was a very cool experience to have when reading that. So it, it's a special series in that way, and it's one of the few that I can actually say have gotten a physical reaction from me, outside of crying because a boat died. <laughs> Honestly, my favorite Soichiro
0: moment is a very small one. It's very small and subtle, and it's the one that establishes the relationship between L and Soichiro. Uh, because they have their disagreements, because Soichiro is an idealist and L is more of a pragmatist. They have the same ideals of justice, but there's this moment where you can kind of see from that point on that they understand each other, and they understand you understand why Soichiro listens to L and why L and how L can see what Soichiro is thinking. Because when L imprisons Light and Misa to make sure that they're not Kira. He also has made preparations so that Soichiro will be in prison because Soichiro says, if you're going to do this, I should be locked up because I don't know what I'm going to do as this is going on, because that's my son and I might do something crazy. So you should do this while I'm still in my right frame of mind. And I was uh-huh. like, okay, I get that. And I've made preparations for it because I figured you would do that. But there's a moment early on in their relationship where basically L reveals himself to the special investigation crew. He reveals himself for the first time and lets them see their his face. So that it's like, hey, you know, now I'm in with, in this with you guys. You know, now we're all laying our lives in line. And he reveals a bunch of like information that he's gathered and some tools that he has to the rest of the group. And he's like, so if you have any, you know, questions about this, go ahead and, and, and ask me. And they just start, and they just ignore him and are just talking to each other across the table, while ignoring him. You know, like, you know, Matsu is talking to e- eBay and all that stuff. And they're just completely ignoring him, except for Soichiro who turns and looks directly at L and asks him a question and L is completely flabbergasted. He's just like shocked that he actually engaged him and talked to him. And that's the thing that I honestly love about Sweetro is that not only is he such a ridiculously hardline old school idealist, it's that he's kind. (laughs) He's like an actually cool guy. And, you know, he definitely represents this very old school way of approaching things because he, you know, you keep expecting him like to like freaking pull out a samurai sword and kill himself or something like that, you know. You know, he talks about like, if my son is Kira, then I will kill him and kill myself and all, and all this shit. Uh, but... That I mean, it's such a really small thing, but I really, but I was blown away by it. So
1: there's a scene that happens in that same moment too that I really like, and it's it's when you get to that point where he starts discussing his theories on who he thinks might be part of it, and he mentions it could be someone in the Yagami household, so we'll have to bug it and. There's a a discussion going on that's kind of interesting going on today, but they're just like, this is too extreme. This is Japan. We don't have those sorts of things. And, uh, Soichiro is just like, do it. Uh, I want cameras everywhere. I want them in the bathroom. I want them in every hallway. I want everything bugged. And I think it's, uh, it might be, might be Azawa who's just like, our chief, what are you saying? Like, what, think about your wife, your daughter. And he's like, that's precisely why I'm saying this because they're going to have this on. Like, I'm, I'm galled by the very idea my family is under suspicion, and I will make sure that there is, without a shadow of a doubt, complete innocence cast upon them in this. And he right. says it as you can clearly see how much it is exhausting him to even comprehend this. Like, it's clearly affecting him greatly, and it's not something he's choosing to do because he's like, let's just do it because we got to get it done. It pains him to say it and to do it, but he wants to – he's like, yeah. but we got to get – like, I can't stand yeah. the idea of my family under suspicion. So it's well, and absurd. also he, he's like,
0: if we are going to do this, we're going to do this all the way, and we're going to do it right.
1: Yeah. It's like I wouldn't want to half-ass this measure and put more pain through them. Like it, mm-hmm. it It's just one of those things where you're like – he's a guy who you could clearly see loves his family – and how painful it is this entire part because it's not as though this is the end of his family being under suspicion. No. So it's just that thing where you're like, man, it's rough. And the the he has a great end to him too, where he he goes out essentially trying to do something heroic, and he has these these tough moments. There's that note that he. Dies before writing Bellows name down, primarily because he's trying to compliment Light in the last moments. Yeah,
0: he's trying to comfort Light, and Light's just like, write his name down, kill him. <laughs> But the he's just thing... like, I'm so glad you're not Kira, my son who is Kira. <laughs> yeah,
1: but that's the beauty of it, is that he gets to die happy because of this weird rules of the death note, essentially a loophole was created in it, where because he had the eyes and these, all these various things happen, he's able to see Light's name, and because of that, he's like, that, that means you're not Kira, so I get to die happy knowing that my son wasn't Kira all along. Now kill him! <laughs> yeah, and he's just like, do it, do it, write it, I'll start writing it for you! <laughs> Just Kirby think of his name. Kirby <laughs> <Manit>. <laughs> but this is, there is definitely like a, a, a sad poetic beauty to that that I, I still appreciate on the reread through where it's just like, at least he gets to die happy. <laughs> like that that dude's life is such shit for so long. And he's, he, I think he's the only member of that family who comes out of things okay, because the daughter certainly doesn't.
0: Well, she's traumatized after getting kidnapped. Yeah. And his wife, of course, has had to deal with losing her her, her husband and then her son. And having her daughter kidnapped.
1: (laughs) Yeah, she's essentially caretaker for her daughter again, and I don't know if it's, I guess we don't see enough to know if it's ever revealed, but God, think of it. She's like, not only did I lose my husband, but it turns out my son was the super serial killer. killer." I I have to assume. At the very least,
0: at the very least, she's gotta be told that he's dead. Yeah, so,
1: so, yeah, two members of the family dead, the other one comatized. She's just like, good lord, this poor family. (laughs)
0: Let's let's talk actually a little bit about, since we've, you know, read Bakuman, you kind of eventually realized, hey, Sumioba is kind of a raging sexist.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was about to, I was going to mention that. Uh, upon rereading Death it I was like, this series is Come really <laughs> derogatory to women at a lot of points. In very small ways at times. But In in, in very overt ways in others. (laughs) At a point you'd think, like, oh, it's just Light, and maybe that's just something you could pile up on the list of things that Light has as an issue against him. I was going to say that. If that were the point, hey, yeah, sure. Except it tends to be the series as a whole is making that point, as opposed to, like, necessarily even, like, or the series affirms it. Like It's not like Light says women are such emotional creatures, it's easy to manipulate them. And then the series would go to show that Light's sexist behavior is wrong. It almost always...
0: (laughs) Imagine if that were part of his comeuppance, is that someone, one of the women that he was manipulating defied his expectations, and that led to his defeat. No. He manipulates something like five different women in this, and all of them he plays like fiddles perfectly. Perfect tune. The only one who comes out of it remotely okay is actually Misa. Just because she gets to live at the end.
1: (laughs) Which even Um, that's under some question marks. She might be killing herself as the credits close. It's implied, it
0: was definitely implied in certain versions of it. I was reading back and forth over the last chapter in the manga like, is Misa even in this? (laughs) 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 Um, and, um, God, there's, Misa is considered like one of the most annoying characters in recent manga and anime. Honestly, I thought she was fine and all of this. She's definitely a a different sort of character because she's a very ditzy character in a lot of respects. But God, at least she's like bright and entertaining (laughs) in a sea of darkness.
1: Yeah, I I think I I do appreciate Misa more in a sense that one, I've read more series now so I've had a broader spectrum of which to kind of see what like the female leads in Shonen series can be. And I think the only thing that's maybe weird about her is she does become a vehicle for a lot of the more unfortunate writing tendencies of this team, Uh because she is someone who is heavily emotional, kind of stupid, and doesn't get to look the best
0: at times. It only, and you know, is only useful when Light is telling her exactly what to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's almost literally to a point. She's, I, I forget, does it happen in the time skip? That he just says, "I stopped laying her be Kira because she was shitty at it." Essentially, she,
0: that's what he—that's what he tells. Uh, what's her name? The, uh, the 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 girl that becomes his spokesperson. That's right. I mean, you know, he could have he could have been telling her that in order to gain her trust, but you get the feeling that he really did believe it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but even like I started writing down like moments that didn't have to do with Misa that were pretty sexist because you know Misa's like an example unto herself. But then there's also, uh, one of the early detectives that he thwarts, Naomi, Sora, who, oh my God. So first off, the first time you see her, she's with her husband, Ray, who is the actual guy who's investigating, uh, Kira. And Naomi, like starts to offer some insight onto some of the stuff that Ray is saying, is talking about. And Ray's like, no, 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 You're no longer an FBI agent. You're here as my wife, not as an agent.
1: It's, it's almost verbatim. He's, he says, you're not an FBI agent anymore. You're my fiance. And you're just like, what the fuck? One, why can't she still be an FBI agent and your fiance? You're still an FBI agent. <laughs> What's, clearly you can handle that being in a marriage. You don't have kids. What's she, what is she forced to stay at home for? But two, why can't she just offer you it? Like, I can get the logic of he's like, if it was like her last, uh, mission was a bad one, and she left yeah, it, like, wrong. yeah, and, and he's like, it and it's him saying, like, don't get yourself back into that world or or something like that. But it just sounds like him saying, like, no, no, you're a wife now. There's no more time for such frivolities.
0: Why are you wearing shoes and not in the kitchen? <laughs>
1: <laughs> put, put on your your geisha outfit. What are you doing? <laughs> Why aren't your feet entwined? I'm like, oh, I don't know, Nick. I think Death Note's a little bit more unfortunate than it was originally... <laughs>
0: So following up on that when she starts to investigate why Ray died she comes across Light and Light is trying to trick her into giving her, him her name and so he eventually launches into this speech like ah you know I'm actually part of the special Kira investigation unit and so if you you know I believe that we are, you know, this was a fated encounter that, you know, we were meant to meet this way so that you could join us. And Ryuk is overlooking everything invisible. And he's like, Ah, oh, good job, Blight. Human females always fall for that word fate. Yeah. And, and then she does. And yeah. then he uses the same trick years later. And Ryuk's like, ah, he used the destiny line again. Huh, it worked again. <laughs> like <laughs> that, that was literally. If you use flowery language on women, they'll give you what
1: you want, what you want. What the fuck? That was literally the moment where I said, it's not light. It's the series. Like, it's not that Light is a sexist asshole. It's that the series writes it to be that he's right about these sort of things. Because she actually was a pretty cool character, and she... Oh, she was great up until that moment. (laughs) Yeah, and and she just gets this unfortunate send-off where she has to lose to Light in this rather embarrassing way where he essentially, like, emotionally manipulates around her logic and gets her name and then just has her kill herself fucking off of nowhere, and you're like this sucks. Like, it's so weird the way this went down. Now,
0: this actually ends up being something that Elle discovers, and as the final goddamn kick in the ass for her, Elle, someone who respects Naomi because they worked together in the past, and she was very helpful to him, and he says at one point something like, oh, you know, she would never kill herself. She was a woman of very strong conviction, and I don't believe that, that she would do that. But the opening comment, when he remembers who she is, is, oh yes, she went up through the ranks of the FBI with unusual speed for a woman. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> just so it's those things where it's just like, huh, I guess Obo the signs were always there that Obo was a ridiculous sexist
1: were there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's definitely unfortunate and it, it's it's one of the things that I, I came to appreciate less about this series as I read it, where I was like, ooh, this is a little bit <laughs> Just love it tasteless at times uh yeah it's 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 gonna be pretty bad um another thing that
0: I really have left to talk about is like you know the drop off in quality um towards the end of the series because uh-huh. we have this moment where it was essentially like fucking female shinigami is the one that light like, manipulates into killing for love um. <laughs> Just, it didn't even occur to me until just now. But uh, he, do, he uses that in order to kill L by convincing Rem, who is a shitty guy that is attached to Misa and is in love, and deeply cares for Misa, that Misa will die as a result of these investigations. So, Rem kills for love. L dies. L's butler figure,
1: what was it? Yeah, Wasaki, whatever his name was. So, I wanted w- to say Wasabi. W- Watsuki? It's either Wasaki wow. or Watsuki.
0: Wasabi, Wabisu, <laughs> Wam Wam Wam. Wob, <laughs> <laughs> um And then they transfer all of the data for their case over to potential uh, successors to the L name, Mello and Nier. Mello decides to do a whole bunch of insane shit to blackmail the, uh, investigators into giving him the death note so that he can use it to try and investigate the Kira case. Um, and Nier is just like, I don't need any of that. I'm fucking magic. I actually started off when Nier first launched into one of his like weird connections and leaps in logic. Someone says, you're just making a really big assumption there. And Nier says, well that's what investigation is though. You make an assumption and then you investigate and then you confirm it. And if you're wrong, you just say, I'm sorry. And I was like, okay, sure. He makes a ridiculous assumption. He works differently from, from L or Light or Mellow. He makes a big assumption and then he just tries to follow up on it. I can see that. But then they're just like, once he becomes the focus and it becomes clear that he is going to be the final opponent of L, every single goddamn thing that he does is to look at a sequence of events and immediately figure out what the hell is going on. Like it's, it, he's fucking waves his hands and comes up with the answer immediately. It's, it's crazy. You could say it's like, okay, well there was other people's hard work that gave him information that they had to actually work hard for. And he just was given it. And so then he was able to draw a conclusion as an outsider, as opposed to someone who was caught up in it. But it, it gets really frustrating when over and over, you know, he's told something and he's like, it's because of this. Uh, Light's doing this. What, L is Light is Kira. And he's got another Kira. And this was the other Kira. And it, 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 that, guy must be, that, that guy must be the second Kira. Investigate and make sure he's the second Kira. I watched a video fairly recently, um, which was a big criticism of the BBC Sherlock series. And one of the things that they point out was that the way that Sherlock operates in that show is that he just fucking magically solves things because he's given information that the audience is not. And it's kind of like that where you, for the first half of the series, see this detective who you get to see how he works things out because he explains how he works things out and you see him investigating and stuff. And then you go over to this new detective who is just like, that's what happened. Yeah. That's what happened. Like, it it's not compelling or interesting when he does it. So, for a long time, a lot of people I, I talked to about this would say, like, Nira just makes huge leaps in logic, and he just fucking knows shit, and it's really stupid. And I had forgotten how ridiculous it was. <laughs> the God, it It's really frustrating because it really feels like, he's not a detective in any sort of way. And, you know, you get this new like battle of wills or whatever going on. And the entire final confrontation between near and light is near setting up a plan and light being like, this is what I think that he's going to do and predicting it and do, and setting up a very sensible counter plan. If you can buy that, he assumed that there was something going to be happen. And then Nier would have died, if not for the fact that Mello did something, had predicted what both of them were going to do. (laughs) And then took a plan so that it would reveal where the real Death Note was, and Nier's detectives would find it. And then he would be like, and so then we'll replace this one because he'll think of this. It's, yeah,
1: there's a big issue once the, the... second half or third part whatever you want to call it comes in where the two characters that come in to replace Light or to replace L just aren't anywhere near him and it's it's this weird thing that happens where they didn't just put one person they basically split two characters to represent that same kind of force and you have Deer on one hand who's basically just a less interesting version of L like he has the same quirks he has these weird body language ticks he He's very quiet and self, you know, withdrawn and has those sort of things. But he doesn't have the same fun personality aspects that L did. Like, he doesn't have those quirks or things that make him charismatic. He's just, like, a more shy and introverted one. And then you have Mello, who's like, I'm just a gangster who eats chocolate. Remember how L loves sugar? I eat chocolate, guys. I'm a great successor. Love me! And it's just like, God, you're the fucking worst thing in this series. <laughs> I'm so happy Light kills you. I don't like Light for a lot of things, but God, I was happy when you died. You were the worst.
0: I think that the real... Because I think that there... I think it's been confirmed that uh nobato really wanted the series to end on 108 chapters, so they drew things out longer than they should have. Which... Honestly, if things had gone on longer, they, you could have probably done more with it. The problem is that in order to get from, I would say, Chapter 70 to Chapter 108, they kind of have an idea, uh, which, you know, plays into, like, okay, how does light bring the world to the next step closer to the perfect Kira thing? And there's all this stuff with, like, choosing a spokesperson and having a new Kira uh like the all the stuff with Mikami Mikami is an is a potentially really interesting character but he only shows up in like the second to last volume or something like that mm-hmm. you, you don't get a lot to, to get a lot out of him and i think that they had just half an idea that was thrown in, in order to buy time to work towards the ending so much of the conclusion is built upon stuff that doesn't even like start until like 80 chapters in Like, there's no hint of anything like that. And so the conclusion doesn't feel like it's actually a conclusion of the entire series. It just feels like it's a conclusion of that last part. And I think that that's probably the biggest weakness of It's not that they were buying time. It's that they were buying time with half-complete ideas, that they should have either had fully fully fleshed out ideas or they should have had the conclusion come at the end of a fully fleshed out idea. Like, I would say that the, the near confrontation, I think, would have worked out a lot better if it came immediately after Soichiro's death and the whole stuff with Melo. like like if the part of the big thing that happened with Melo is that a piece of information was thus revealed to Nier that allowed them to get the edge over Kira, and then they exposed him immediately after that. All took place immediately after Soichiro's death, and then was defeated. End of series.
1: Yeah. Uh. I want to get away, I guess we we were talking a lot about the characters, but I want to, I want to speak in regards to the quality of death note as a whole, because death note was a very significant series when it came out. And I mentioned that part of the reason, well, because of that was, it was a jump series that wasn't about battling. That wasn't about uh, some kind of crazy fight series or adventure series or anything like that. And, you know, we, we discussed Bakuman on the show. It's obviously a series. These two guys did after that. And they, they, Thankfully avoided resisting the urge to suck their own dick too much by openly, like, referencing Death Note time and time again. But they did note, like, it's, the, that it was kind of the process of how Death Note came to be, the idea of a mainstream, but not mainstream series, a, uh, battle manga that's not a battle manga kind of thing. It, it did kind of open up a door. And I know there have been series in Jump that aren't traditionally just battle series or sports series or romance series where those things have existed. But th- it kind of opened up the door for those series that were non-traditional to be much more popular. And that's something that now, having seen that, is a lot more common. Like, I've read plenty of other series since then. Bakuman, uh Gakuyo Hote, more easily referenceable. The Promised Neverland, which is still running. It's a series that is all about the idea of not having to follow a traditional fight manga sort of series premise and go with something different. A series that can have you heavy in dialogue. And when I, when I compare Death Note to those sorts of series now, I say, well, Death Note isn't actually really that great in comparison. Like, Death Note has a lot of problems to it. Uh, it can be very, very uh, word heavy and dense to the point of ridiculousness. There are points when there are three Kiras at the same time that I had to stop conversations just be like what the fuck are they talking about they're like well the first cure is doing this and the second cure would be this well hold on what about the second cure is doing this well don't forget the third cure is doing this and I'm like upon reading this it's just a page like from top to bottom with speech bubbles and like tiny little character faces just to let you know who's talking like hey it's me Matsuda when
0: especially like when Nier is talking with his with his team and he's got like his toys to represent them and he's like This, the pages and pages go by to explain how he's thinking about what's going on and what they're up to. So, it's a good thing actually that he's so ridiculously accurate off the bat, because otherwise you would come up with these long ass theories that are actually wrong and don't do anything to serve the plots.
1: But yeah, And it just kind of, like, reached that point where I'm like, Death, though, does have some stumbling blocks. I think the first, like, half of the series is really good. I'm actually surprised that after they sort of got over that first hurdle of eventually reaching this point where L and Light are working together because of, like, Light's sacrifice of losing his memories and all that, that when the third Kira element comes in, that's still interesting. It's honestly like the
0: Yatsuba Corporation case where they're working together, I feel as if that's actually where the series is the most fun.
1: It's really cool seeing Light and L working together, actually.
0: Well, it's where you get, also get to, a real feeling of the personalities of the other members of the investigation team. That's where Matsuda and Mogi, uh, get to really shine there. Um, and it, it's really, it's really frustrating because the, that team really gets shit on after the time skip. Aizawa has his chance to kind of really redeem himself because he has a falling out with L at a certain point in the beginning. And so he decides to leave the team. So he's brought back into the team, uh, basically uh, because, you know, he's a part of the police force and he joins back with them at the end of the Yatsuba case. And I think that that's the name of the corporation. Otherwise I'm just going to end up having reference to a, a yon a whole lot for no reason. Um, and uh, so after the time skip, he's part of the team and he's one of the ones who dis- he's the first one to really break off and really listen to Nier's idea that the new L, Light, is Kira, and so he goes to talk to him and he gives him some information and stuff. Later on, he does some real detective work where he suspects that uh Kiyomi uh, the girl that uh, Light is talking with and is having be his new spokesperson, he suspects that while they're uh, under wire surveillance uh, that they're communicating via notepads. And so he does a thing where he, you know, marks the bottom of the notepads and then checks back later. And he realizes, hey, the marks on two of these notepads are gone, which means that the notepads got used up and were replaced by the hotel staff. That means that my theory is correct. And he goes to Nier, and he's like, listen, we have them under audio surveillance, but they're communicating via the notes on the notepads. And Nier's like, I know. It's like, what's the point? Like, <laughs> Why are any of these characters here? Like, why, what, I'll tell you what, you know, they're just there to just kind of occupy space and be pawns so that light can't operate exactly how he wants to, because he can't kill them yet. They might as well just be freaking faceless people, though, and then Matsuda, who's there for everyone to call an idiot until he shoots light, which is
1: great. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess that's maybe the only thing, is you're like, at least Matsuda gets to do something at the end. He gets to be...
0: his personality stands out amongst the rest, because, you know, he's the idiot. He's the, you know, naive one who thinks, hey, maybe Kira is doing some good for the world. Are you sure you want to be part of this team? Well, yes, we have to bring him to justice, but (laughs) no. Yeah.
1: But it's also, like, the idea, like, I I do like what they did with Aizawa. It was cool to have a member of the team who simply couldn't reconcile with every thing that l was doing that l with his weird tendencies with some of the extreme measures like someone who just disagreed with that and it was fine to have somebody who had that kind of turmoil because it showed just how exhausting and tenuous this relationship could be and you had mogi there who was a third person <laughs> essentially What's the thing is that they all felt like they were really contributing when
0: they were you know in that first half of the series you know uh, Matsuda was, you know, he was being naive and stupid, but his recklessness actually really pushed them forward into helping, into getting a allegiance to that case. And then you had Mogi there who, you know, it, his personality was finally actually like starting to feel like a thing because mm. they started to emphasize that, oh, he's very quiet and stoic. Um uh, Misa got her, did her biggest contribution to the series in that because she was essential to their cover plan, uh, and, you know, you had Light and L, and L were actually working together. And yeah. So, I, it was, surprisingly enough, I thought that that was actually a really cool part of it. But then, you know, you have die, you have the Mellow stuff, and at least stuff is still happening because they're, you know, doing, like, SWAT missions and stuff and they're going into And then the last 20, 30 chapters of it are... Near sitting down and playing with toys while he goes, this is what is happening. And I just know this shit. You just, I just know all of it. I, just, listen to me. I know everything. I'm so smart. None of you trying to solve anything because I'll just figure it out. I'll just know it. It's pointless for you to do your own independent investigation. He literally tells Iza, uh, just don't get in the way. Just don't do anything yeah. because you'll just get in the way. Fuck you here.
1: I'm like, bitch, I've been reading this series for so long. I didn't come here for you. I've been staying around for you. Uh, and that's like, that's kind of what I mean when I say, all in all, I legitimately think this is still a very good series. However, as time's now gone on and I'm able to look past this and see, you know, maybe some of the doors that's opened another series to come in, I'm like, I think those series are maybe doing it better because while we haven't had enough time with The Promised Neverland to really determine what its overall quality is going to be over a prolonged period, I would say The Promised Neverland has done a great job of doing a lot of those same epic moments without resolving and needing to go to a battle that uh, Death Note did, but doesn't have it with a lot of the other unfortunate things of feeling like characters are unnecessary or having uh, the unfortunate like, uh, hey, females, so emotional, right? Lol. Like... It doesn't have this... And I wrote it down, hang on a second,
0: because uh, the the last time that uh Light manipulates someone, which is with uh, Takata, it's, uh <laughs> women, they're so easy.
1: <laughs> yeah, it doesn't necessarily have that issue going for it. It's simply the notion that, while Death Note is a strong series that overall I do like, I recognize that it has issues. I also recognize now that Light is a much shittier person than I thought he was the first time through. I I thankfully have been able to escape that idea of being like, guys, no, Tyler Durden had a lot of good points. You don't understand.
0: He just wanted to kill... He just wanted to reset everything and...
1: (laughs) Yeah. So... I Yeah. I, I I like Death Note, and I think if it's something you haven't read before, it's absolutely worth a read. I I still think this is one of the best series that I can... Offer to somebody who hasn't read manga before and say he read this because this is a good series sort of thing. Like this is something that I think you would like. It 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 crosses the aisle, but mm-hmm. I'm hoping that in time also something like The Promise Neverland might just be another series that'd be really easy to push out there and be like, hey, try reading this because it's a really interesting series you could be able to get into things like that. I
0: think that it is a series that has
1: roughly above
0: average execution i think it evens out to uh, to that point when you consider the second half of it i mean it's it's f- because it's phenomenal at the beginning and it's bad at the end but overall it's pretty good and i think that it's really bolstered up by the way that it explains sets up and sticks to its premise which is an interesting not unique but interesting premise in a way that's easy to get into and easy to understand and, you know, if you just tell someone about it, it's like, you have a book, you can write someone's name down, and no matter who they are, where they are, they will die. And some you can immediately get into that. People can really consider the moral implications of that. How would you use it? And then you say, well, there's this story about this guy who tries to rebuild the world and his own image, essentially, with it. And, you know, there are these rules that are associated with it that it sticks to. It yes. does introduce some over time. But it doesn't. Cha- they're not really big game-changing ones, honestly. Uh, so it's consistent with the execution of that, and I think that that part of it is probably the thing that is its biggest strength: is the way that it sticks to the concept of it.
1: Yeah, it finds clever ways to play around with its rules, but not break them, and introduces them and follows them to a point which is really admirable.
0: Also, uh, uh, po- pointing us the series is the fact that, uh, all of, pretty much all of my favorite characters fade into the background in the second half. That includes Misa, that includes Ryuk. Frickin' love Ryuk, and then he just, just, d- d- doesn't really get to do anything <laughs> in
1: the second half. He at least gets the super satisfying moment of just oh, being sorry. there as lights dying, and he's just like, later. <laughs> you know what's funny? I told you, I told you I'd do this, Sly, what the fuck are you so shocked I about? don't know why
0: you're shocked by this. It's been fun, though. It's been fun. We had some good times. Oh, look at you, man. You're so pathetic right now. Come on, this isn't like you, Light. Anyway,
1: bye! <laughs> Peace! I got mine!
0: I fucking love you.
1: <laughs> Alright, well, we still have, like, a shit ton of series to talk oh, about <laughs> an hour later into
0: this. Recap portion of Weekly Manga Recap. We don't
1: have My Hero Academia to talk about, it, at least. <laughs> no, we don't. One more time. So uh, I guess we're gonna start off with Fairy Tale. And last week we didn't have a chapter of Fairy Tale. So what does that mean? We got two this week to cover. Starting with chapter 538, when the flame goes out. So last time, like a pop song, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it does. Like it is a pop, like when the flame goes out. And the lights are on. But you're like, but then the flame's out. Why did you need lights at that point?
0: Because know. the fire's been turned out, so now you need electric lighting.
1: I'm like, you know, I hate all these new arcade fire songs or whatever hip song is. <laughs> hip band plays. They panic at the disco. Is that still what the kids listen to? <laughs> like,
0: you don't know like kids.
1: Gonna
0: get, I feel like we am going to get more and more giggly as we go through this. I get more and more tired.
1: I am very exhausted. Uh So, last time, Nazi beat Zerf. In a very unspectacular way, he is dead and beaten and never coming back, I guess. So we open (laughs) up. Actually, (laughs) yeah, we we open up with Lucy, who has finished rewriting the book of Zeref which they make a huge deal about how she was rewriting a demon's book and this must be so taxing, and I again thought to myself, why isn't this levy? This would be so much more important for her. I think like, this is baffling to me. Like, every moment they dwell on it, I just keep thinking, why isn't this levy? That's her whole magic shtick. I don't get this. Uh, and then Grey, rather nonchalantly, is like, she's dying. But don't worry, my demon side players will save her. And I'm like, this should also be a bigger moment. Why isn't this a bigger moment? I don't get this.
0: He just kind of, like, takes her hand and is like,
1: <laughs> Yeah, he's like, don't worry, thanks, my Demon Slayer power saved you. <laughs> yeah, it's like, all right. But they basically just sit there talking about, like, hey, yeah, it's good. You know, the book's fixed. Hopefully, you know, Natsu will be gone as the book fades away. And then they see Natsu and they start crying because they're like, thank God he's alive. Happy memories for everybody. Uh Everyone's just talking about, like, what the adventures they're going to go on and everything else like that um cut away
0: tell me about the you tell me about the was <laughs> it uh God, I, I don't even know that. I don't know how, I don't know the book in <laughs> Alright. Tell me about the rabbits, George. There we
1: go. Oh, yeah. Tell me about the rabbits. Yeah. Look at the flowers, girl. <laughs> just look at the flowers. Go magic. <laughs> I'm like, Carol, no! Uh, cut over Jaleel's alive and they're just like, yeah, you're alive, but you had to live on for Chi-a-san and anna because they died. And he's like, who and who? <laughs> I don't know these people.
0: <laughs> and he's like, "Erza, don't you want me to live on for your sake? Don't you like, you know, really want, really Ichi and Anna? Was it?" <laughs> She's like,
1: "Eh, whatever."
0: I'm cut. the I'm the seventh or whatever guild master. <laughs>
1: <laughs> cut a, cut away, and everyone's like, "Oh hey, shit, where's Natsu? This he can't. He did he die? I overwrote the book. This isn't fair!" Crying, crying. This would be a much more effective,
0: a much more effective cliffhanger if we didn't know what actually happened because the next chapter is out. (laughs) Uh,
1: the chapter ends then with Wendy looking into the sky and seeing that it is cracking. So holy shit, Achnologia may not be dead. So, ooh, what's happening here? All right. Uh, next commercial, Acnologia is not dead. (laughs) Chapter 539, world destruction. So. Actimulagia isn't dead, as this chapter opens up with. He pops right the fuck out of the space-time world, stronger than ever, because he's like, I was a king before, and now I reign supreme! Now, in
0: a bottle, <laughs> I feel like this would be like, holy shit, because what happens is he pops out of the ultimate fuck-you-forever uh, time portal, because, like, I absorbed it. I'm even stronger now. And then he starts absorbing dragon slayers left, right, and center. And it's like, oh, man, how is he possibly going to be defeated? This is great. And then you consider, like, well, this comes right after he had a freaking boat steer by a Shia, like, crash into him and sucked away and defeated that way. And also, we just had all the stuff with there This all this happened very quickly.
1: <laughs> I I can acknowledge that there's issues with that, but I'm excited at the start of this because this is dope. Acnologia pops this out of this race. thing. He's not fucking done in just by a chia knocking him into the thing with a boat. Fuck friendship. Yeah, and then a dude who showed and a chick who showed up four months ago or whatever. <laughs> uh, I guess. It, I guess the reason that
0: it was those two who steered it into him was because then it means their sacrifice is in vain, and it would have sucked if it weren't character that people actually cared about who had do- gone out that
1: way. <laughs> oh, it also just means they'll fucking pull them out of that world afterwards anyway, too. I'm sure. But Actilagia is crazy stupid strong now, and he just has this, like, full-page spread of him, like, almost posing like he's a person. I think it's partially because the magic is literally tearing him apart, and he's just in that pose, because you can see his arm is, like, turning to dust, but he's just like, Meet your tomb, humanity, eternal flare. And he's just it's like three straight pages of him just fucking up the planet with just these enormous explosions. A full two page spread that basically looks like he's just nuking the earth over and over again with these blasts. Yeah, his
0: blaster going like over the horizon to blow more shit up.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's like a Dragon Ball Z attack. Like he's just he's reached his Super Saiyan form and he's just unleashing all hell. And we cut away to, like, Urza, who's been knocked into the ocean, and she's just like, oh, shit, this is too much. Like, how's everyone else doing? And no one else is doing very good. Uh, but that's when Agalaji's like, today I shall complete the Dragon Slayer task! And Wendy, like, disappears. Yeah, he, like, fucking (laughs) transports her into himself, or whatever, and everyone's like, what happened? And we cut away and see all the other Dragon Slayers, like, Laxus, and Gajiel, and Sting, and Rogue, and even Cobra! All get transformed. And someone named Eric? That's, that's, (laughs) that's Cobra, I think. Okay. I don't, I don't know why they used his full, like his regular name, but, I don't know. And they all got transported, and this is where we can assume happens in Atsu. I wanna note though, are we ever going to get any sort of explanation for what fake Dragon Slayers were? Like, I could just assume it's somebody who also learned Dragon Slayer magic from so, But, like, they made a big deal of it. Like, you're not a real Dragon Slayer. You learned fake Dragon Slayer magic. You weren't actually taught it by dragons, which is the point of it. Like, what was the point of it then? Was, was he just like, I don't want to die two more dragons. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> I don't like them. <laughs>
0: uh... So. <laughs> I can just imagine, like, heroes Editor coming up to him, so what's Laxus's dragon look like? I don't want to draw another one! He's like,
1: ah! None! None! He doesn't have one! He learned it differently! It's like, well, what does that mean for the story? Nothing! Shut up! I'm, I'm going to draw more you know, boobs!
0: Sweeps his hands across his baby counter and tosses the ball. <laughs>
1: So we cut away. I want <laughs> We cut away, and in a move, I'm gonna draw boobs instead. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna draw Lucy in the bikini getting licked by goats. That's what I want to draw, not another dragon. <laughs> this is my passion. <laughs> in okay. a move that is heavily, heavily reminiscent to uh, fucking who is the chick in Naruto at the end? <laughs> Kaga. <laughs> uh, Kaga. Welcome, Katsu, to the acid dimension. <laughs> In a move that is very reminiscent to Kaguya saying, I'm going to take you all to the acid dimension. And then, boom, let's go somewhere else. Achnologia, with his crazy strong nuking superpowers, like, I shall transport all the dragon slayers to one confined area together where I K- can defeat me. And you're like, I guess your physical body is technically dying on the outside, maybe, from not being able to withstand all the power. But he still like, we see Natsu here, and we assume this is where all the Dragon Slayers have been taken. They've all been sucked into this world for Achnologia to fight them all, but it's his human form of him. And you're just like, I don't, I feel like this is like, you just setting yourself up to lose when you took yourself away from being gigantic with super destroying powers and things like that. I feel you had a much bigger advantage that you just let go.
0: <sighs> well, it looks like we're at least getting Achnology as the final villain.
1: Which is good. Uh, I, yeah. I like that. I think this is going to be... He's the only person thus far who's been presented with very little room for, like, good guyification, essentially.
0: Yeah. You couldn't have had Zerub be the final villain and have him actually go out by being punched. You had to have him afterwards. they like, I love you, Mavis, you know. But there's is like he'll get punched and are like, where's my lowly technically actually naked love interest to save me and salvage my no oh okay I guess I'll just keep on getting punched then yeah
1: which is really weird now to think about it cause you're like man all that stuff with Zeref was one long fucking pointless plot when you think about it now like all that entire army and everything like that we could have just ended on actology we didn't need the spring and 12 and all that nonsense cause Zeref didn't even encounter actology at any point <laughs> It's like,
0: so I do you. Who are your minions? I don't need minions.
1: <laughs> He's like, I ate them all, as you would do with minions. <laughs> they are food for the ultimate.
0: All right. Let's move over to Astro Lost in Space, which apparently had a chapter posted fucking today. <laughs> God damn it. Um, but we had one that was also posted last week. And honestly it's not going to take very long for us to talk about this because like, Oh, all the stuff we talked about last time. Yeah. Confirmed. <laughs> all the kids are clones. Um, and, uh, they actually confirm it at the end because they have, uh, Yunhua and Zach compare their DNA to genetic material that they got from items that their parents had. And yeah, they're all clones. Fuck. Um, the only thing that I think that we is, there is really to make real note of is the very beginning where Kanata has a flashback of conversation with his dad where Kanata was like, you know, I've got my own dream. Don't, don't press your dreams onto me. And his father said, Hey, you know, no matter what your dream is, keep your body in peak condition. It will be an advantage no matter what you do. So, and so now Kanata saying to himself, like, Hey, no wonder he gave into what I wanted so easily. It's because, you know, he was just going to use my body no matter what I wanted anyway. So
1: I know that (laughs) it makes sense in the context of this story. But I like to, to, like, detach it from that, and I love the notion of the two of the, these two characters having to fight at, like, a fa- a track and field race, and the, like, the dad's like, you gotta, like, go and train again, and Kaz's like, I have my own dream! I wanna go to space! <laughs> like, just this rather, like, abject thing to state, like, in the middle of nowhere, just like, I wanna go space!
0: <laughs> you shows up next to him.
1: <laughs> hey, are we gonna go to space there? <laughs> Let's go together!
0: So I haven't actually read this new chapter of Vastron. I don't really think it would be a good idea to do a live reading of it because I'm really kind of conked out right now, so. Yeah,
1: let's, let's save that I think for we'll just then. save
0: it for next week, yeah. That's when we would have normally talked about it anyway. So, uh, with that one out of the way, let's move over to Food Wars, Shokugeki no Soma. Last time Kuga challenged Tsukasa, hey, Face me and the shokugaki and the team competition uh, in the next round. And um, we get a little bit of a conversation going on between uh, the different members of the resistance. And Alice is like, we should send out our best guys. It's basic stuff. Let's just do that. And I like how she's explaining all this stuff. She's circled, you know, Megashima and Dashiki and Kuga. And then it pans out and there's all these equations on the board. And I was just like, what are the equations
1: for? <laughs> I also like that someone just wrote next to it, Yukihira is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> like, who wrote that? He's your team captain! <laughs> no, he's not! Arina is the team oh, captain. That's right. That's right, Arina is the team captain. All right. Well, hey, he is still one of your team members.
0: So, you know, Erina is left with the kind of, kind of the, uh, decision and she thinks to herself, you know, unlike in, like, uh, in Kendo, a team show giving, there is no sacrificial captain. It doesn't work that way. So we have to consider like, okay, there's no reason to do, do things this way. And she's just kind of like thinking to herself. And obviously they come up with the, with the decision off screen. We come back to Kuga and Sukasa's conversation and, uh, Tsukasa says like, eh, I'll think about it. And, but then he says, I mean, you know, it's not all up to me. I'll discuss it with the other council members, and eh, I guess we'll see what happens. Um, Kuga is like, I took Chinese food. I'm going to fan myself with my traditional fan. Oh, shit, I'm so scared that I dropped it. Um, and Soma reveals himself at this point, and uh he gives him a little bit of, uh you know, a, a pep talk. You know, like, hey, you know, like, you were really nervous before, so I suggest you do the, you know, right person on your palm and, and, and swallow it so it will calm your nerves, you know. Or there is the Yugi-Hira-style nerve-quieting technique. Put your hands together like you're praying. It goes like, no, no, I'm not going to back down. I'm going to take all, him on. I'm going to freaking win. And Soma does this weird thing where he's like, oh, I'm so tired out from the first bout. I shouldn't act tired. I'm going to actually get tired. Um. <laughs> So I'll sit out the next round. Oh, Kuga, you should, you know, definitely go out there
1: for the next round. Yeah. So, um, which is funny to me because apparently he wasn't even being considered to begin with at all. No, because
0: Yugi is dumb. Kuga does get a bit of a he he gets a bit more of his confidence back, um, especially after. Soma explains um, what his past with Tsukasa was, because Kuga's like, ha, he was going here to be his sous chef. Oh, man. <laughs> um, but uh, Kuga's like, you know, I've got to have determination, though, to win against this guy, so I'm going to go out there, I'm going to do it. And uh, it turns out that uh, Kuga and Megishima and Subaru are going to be the guys that uh, represent the resistance. Uh... Essentially, what we kind of knew from the last chapter, uh, from the implication at the end. And, uh, hey, guess who the members of the council are gonna face are? It's Tsukasa, and Rindo, and
1: Sword Guy! <laughs> Which is actually, and, there's an interesting note to this. Uh, when Tsukasa's talking to, uh, Kuga, he mentions like, uh, I'll have to check because Aizon's been really insistent about him being able to take a chance to perform. So I kind of expected Aizon to be in this.
0: Mm-hmm. Apparently not. And it turns out the Nick's predictions last week were basically completely correct. <laughs> because Rindo's taking on Megishima, Mimasaka's going up against Sword Guy, and Sukasa's is going up against Kuga. And, uh yeah, that's where things kind of end on. We get a little bit of, you know, like, you know, split-screen trash-talking kind of that happens. And... That's it.
1: So, let's, do we want to throw our hat in the ring now? Is it, uh, I would say this is going to be a, a complete wipe for the resistance team. They, they just get swept.
0: I, yeah. I mean, I would put it probably in the 90 percentiles, honestly, that that's what happens.
1: The, the only, I guess, alternative is maybe Subaru pulls out this crazy fluke win. Mm-hmm. He's the only one, and which is weird because he seems like he'd be the one who should be the most fodder, but with the way they've built Tsukasa and Rindo, there's no way they lose. No fucking way. Like, so... I mean,
0: like, all the stuff with Rindo, because she's the second seat. And, I mean, I don't see any reason why you would save her past this point. Um, I guess it's possible that she kind of decides to wuss out at this point again. But eventually there's going to have to be a time where she shows her stuff and kicks ass, you know
1: yeah so, I, I think this I, is going I really to really don't that think time. that you're
0: gonna have a better opportunity so
1: I think they have to do this here because it also then you know dramatically removes the biggest crutch for Cent or for uh the resistance they lose right we the can't just have season. this
0: top ranking uh third ranked member or whatever of the council on our team anymore
1: yeah. And there's also the notion that Rindo might actually be the best cook of everybody, because they mentioned that rankings aren't always just based on your cooking, but also the work you do, and we know she just gives all of her work to Tsukasa.
0: Yeah, she was like, what, the one member of the council during that festival who set up nothing and just decided
1: to eat everything? (laughs) (laughs) She might end up being the best of everybody.
0: Let's move over to Dr. Stone. Z equals 14, those who have faith. This is the second and it looks like final part of the flashback uh, to Senku's beginnings in the stone world. And um so, you know, he, he kind of sets up his, like, shelter, uh, the shack that we've seen since the, basically the beginning of the series. And after he's sitting there, he's like, aha, uh, I have set up my shelter. And he just collapses exhausted. It's like, I can't believe how hard this is, essentially. And, uh, he, Things to himself like, I've gotta find someone who's got strength and stamina. And so he actually digs up Taiju, uh, you know, finds his body and digs him up and is like, okay, I need you to be revived. And he starts to, you know, come up with ways like, okay, uh, how, how can I unfreeze this guy? And also we get this weird, like, kind of montage of, like, potential theories for what caused the stonification. One is like, Aliens! Uh, there is Oh, Rogue Nation's military go- went crazy. Or maybe it's a virus. An evil virus.
1: <laughs> and all of them are just fucking Taiju be like, Whoa! <laughs> so,
0: he starts to experiment. We get a bit of a montage of him thinking about stuff and how he can do stuff. And he does come to the realization of, Hey, you know, this is this is what happened where, where I was uh, freed from. So maybe this nitric acid has to do with it. He does some experiments. We get kind of you know a reiteration of stuff that we already knew, which was he spent a lot of time experimenting with it to try and come up with the right combination for stuff. And uh, so he realizes, okay, so the acid isn't everything. You know, I was thinking for the thirty-seven hundred years, I never let my consciousness drift away. Uh, and so if the brain is active, then that means it's actually, you know, using up energy. Where did the energy come from? All that energy my brain was using must have consumed something in the stone. By eating away at that something, my petrification came undone. So there's gotta be something else in addition to just the acid. And as he thinks to himself, like, okay, you know, I'm just gonna test it, test it and test it and test it and test, it and test some more. And never forget, no matter how fantastical this stone business seems, the core principles of science are rock solid. And, I guess as just a way of reminding himself of that, he decided to mark E equals MC squared into his with his own blood into his tunic.
1: <laughs> I I like it a lot. I this is a, a pretty long chapter to kind of reach to this point. And it does I guess explain why like Senku has this absurdly like almost stereotypical kind of, like, nerdy equation on his jacket.
0: Right. It makes sense to mark something about energy if he's like, energy is needed for the reaction to take place. But it is kind of weird that like, that's the theory of relativity. It has nothing to do yeah. with,
1: <laughs> <laughs> you just go with it. You just know, because it's the more common fucking one to go with. It's like, this is on t-shirts and folders and shit like that. In fairness, E
0: equals MC squared is an explanation for how matter itself is converted entirely into energy. So if you're talking about the amount of energy that gets released with you consume the stone, I guess that makes sense.
1: And it could, but more than anything, I like what this state is. Oh, the, what ending, this, is, what, the ending, what ending is really, really good. Yeah. yeah. Because it's, it's all about kind of lead up to this point about Senku when he was hovered over Taiju telling him to wake up and then we, we, Cut over. We see the same thing happening, and Senku seems to maybe be waking up. At the end of it, it's. I
0: it's think that was to... the. I think that is what is being implied from here. But yeah, the split panel of you know Senku being like, "Hey, I, I I need someone. I need someone's help like this. I can't do this on my own. So wake up, Taiju, and then Taiju saying, "We can't do this unless so wake up Senku." It's really. We now really see the actual ultimate point of this flashback, which was telling us stuff that we didn't really need to see. Uh It was a little bit of character building for Senku, but nothing really essential. Nothing like, you know, the big flashback that explained why he believes in science and will follow it and why he would choose death over it um, as before. But this moment that all builds do showing... We've shown, been shown to this point, yes, Senku, as smart as he is, needs help in order to survive in this world. He needs other people. So we now see like the, the real, this is our friendship kind of moment with like, hey, they need each other in in order to survive. So.
1: Uh, And it goes to show just how arduous this time's been for him. Like it's not like he's sitting there always knowing the answer. He's sitting there saying like, gotta test, gotta test, gotta test, gotta believe no matter how hard. Like you can see it's, it's a taxing ordeal for him in the past, and when he marks himself, it's not something he's doing out of, like, being, like, you know, pretentious or something like that. He's doing it kind of, like, in a fit of passion kind of thing. He's just, he's doing it almost as a reminder. Like, it, you know, the idea of, like, scarring himself so that he'll always remember, just not as brutally. Uh I like this chapter a lot for what it gives to Senku and giving him some more development and this flashback was sort of weirdly placed, but really good, in my mind, for what it sort of showed us about Senku prior to this. Mm-hmm. It would have been weird to have the series start with these chapters, you know? Yeah, I agree. Okay. We never learn? Uh, yeah, so... Uh, I'm going to be kind of not live reading this because I did read it previously but I just you could have forgotten it none (laughs) of it stuck and I'm I'm trying to remember it all now I I know the basic Um. gist of this Essentially, anyway,
0: so there's a giant bug monster. Yeah. So,
1: uh, as you remember, they all the girls got sucked into Actologia because they're all dragon slayers, uh, and what they have to do inside of there is stop the uh, the Ten Commandments from all their. It's all it's all played again. Now they actually, uh, it's Yuega who has to meet with Miss Kirasu, who was the original tutor, or I guess at least the previous tutor of the two main girls in the series, and she's having to yeah. talk with him. <laughs> About the way he's handling things with them, particularly because a lot of information has been passed down, uh finding out various things, particularly because it, it, it's the first thing she kind of hits on is like your only motivation for doing this or seemingly your biggest motivation for helping these two uh, girls along is that your academic future relies on it. And she's like, is that really the best intention for somebody who is a tutor is your own personal satisfaction from this? And on one hand, you're like, well, no, that's not. And then on a second, you're like, no, wait. Yes, it is. That's every tutor's job is the future of their career (laughs) is on the line. Like, any isn't your job as a professional tutor also based on the idea that if you are successful, you continue to be in there? Like, it's sort of a weird thing for her to come at her with. Um, But as, as he's sort of explained himself, like, no, no, you don't understand. It's just an accident. The other girls are hearing it. And of course, make their grandiose misconstruing... Well, she brings up because
0: she brings up like, uh, "Hey, so was part of your tutoring kissing Ogata in the woods?" Yeah. And he's like,
1: "Oh!" <laughs> yeah. So the other girls hear this and just start like jumping into the room to be comedic and like shouting out other various sexually unfortunate times things have happened between the two of them uh, that they thought the conversation was about. And it just keeps kind of going on. Like even Takamoto comes in when you're like, you weren't even involved in this conversation.
0: <laughs> I love you because the reaction to her jumping in after it seems like everything's over. You know, like not, there's not even a chance to happen between Ogata leaving and then uh, you know, there's just kind of like a small quiet moment. And then Uruka's like, he was on top of me in the pool for this reason. You, he goes like, are they actually trying
1: to help? <laughs> you don't understand. <laughs> Uh, but essentially what she says is like, uh, your students are very devoted to you and, you know, I know that the two of them would rather you not speak with me at all, but they approached me for your sake, so you can go ahead. I'm going to dismiss the matter for now, but it doesn't mean I approve of you as their tutor. And essentially she just kind of has this thing that... I don't want to get into the whole spiel of it, but essentially she has the same kind of logic that I feel like the uh, other science girl does, where it's like, I don't like you, but you seem to be making them happy, so I'll go with it for the time being. Uh Uega does at least have the inverse, where he gets to say something to her, and basically yeah. says to her, I don't understand everything you're doing, but I know that your heart's in the right place. And, like, well,
0: because he you know, he catches on like, uh, hey, you were hunting around the woods for Ogata when she went missing. Because he... he- he, he's like, see, I'm like L, not like Nier <laughs> Yeah, I figured things out. <laughs> I explain how I ex- how I learn things. <laughs> uh,
1: but what it all comes down to is they then leave the classroom. Time skip later, yuega's out at the, I guess like a market, and sees her in like a professional, like a a a casual moment, and you're like, oh god, is she joined the harem now too. <laughs> <laughs> but now it just ends on basically like a joke about like oh you know you dress so sharp when you're at work and then when you're outside you're not <laughs> and it's like what do you want <laughs> like you expect her to walk around in fucking pencil skirts and everything like high heels all the time she can wear a fucking it's not even like she's dressed in like a shitty t-shirt and jeans. she's just in a sweatsuit you're a yeah. shithead stop being a shithead you <laughs> All right, let's talk about the Jumpstart.
0: Okay, so our Jumpstart is a series called Shudan. Um, I'm sure that's some sort of sound effect. I don't know. But it's by Takuma Yokota, who is the one who did Straighten Up, the dancing uh, series that uh, ran. Gosh, I think it started a little over a year ago, I think. Somewhere around there. Um... And, uh, it's a youth soccer manga. I'm not gonna go into, like, any details or anything like that, uh, because it's a long chapter and we don't have an incredible amount of time. But, uh, essentially it's about these, uh, mostly sixth graders uh, playing soccer and they're just kind of having a practice match with the team playing against each other. We're introduced to our main characters, our Soshi and Roku, and then a girl, um, who who's joined the team and it's a really cool exciting uh, chapter that we have to open things off with and it it's it's fun uh you get to get just quick little snippets of some of the different members of the team their strengths and, and weaknesses like their captain has this really powerful but uncontrollable kick um so she's really really fast roku is a is a trickster and is really good at stealing the ball and then um i forget what her name actually is which is appropriate because Soshi doesn't learn her name for a whole lot of it. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, I don't think
1: she actually introduces herself for a while. Oh, no. She says Akira and Nanase. Nanase? Yeah,
0: so Nanase uh, and Soshi, there's a bit of awkwardness between them because Nanase is clearly incredibly talented. And Soshi misses a pass from her at the beginning. And then she holds back on the next one she sends towards him and because that Roku's was able to intercept it. And so then he's just like, hey you know don't hold back on me anymore and they do put together this really cool sequence where she you know passes the ball in and he manages to chase it down and and hit it back and she heads the ball into the goal it's a really cool exciting uh, opening chapter um and it's like i don't know exactly how this is going to work out having you know characters this young uh be the peers of the series but i really like it so
1: I, I could dig it i'm glad that as the chapter went on developed a bit more because i was really worried when they first introduced her i was like is this just gonna be a thing where she's the super cool player on the team that everybody like she said she started to become ray from star wars for a moment which is like don't worry guys i can play any position i'm ambidextrous i'm basically the best thing in this world i'm the hottest shit to come to fucking youth soccer that's what I'm gonna say right. I have baby memories too. <laughs> Thankfully it gets a little bit better from there. But yeah, it seems like an interesting series. Um uh, perhaps we'll we'll be able to speak more on it in depth uh, next week when we're not sleep deprived and <laughs> time Rushing to, to get
0: through everything, yeah. Um yeah, we'll see. I I'm definitely intrigued and uh yeah. Looking forward to the next one. Let's talk about Promised Neverland, demons chasing after the kids. Oh no. Um, this is really just kind of a big recap of, hey, the kids trained for this. They, you know, trained to be chased through the goddamn woods, and they did it for months. So they're actually prepared for this because this thing is a kind of reasonless beast. So uh, Don signals to the kids, and they, uh, while he's leading them away from it, and they split up. So there's only chasing half of them, and then Ray comes up with this idea to. Trick it into following him past the pit that they fell into before. And, uh, you know, he's like, I'll, I'll handle this. And it was like, no, you're going to get yourself killed. And Ray's like, no, I'm not. Don't worry. I'm not planning on sacrificing myself anymore. He goes to launch the plan and there's this big moment where it looks like it's going to work. And Ray's like, yeah, I'm going to do it and get ready to fall into hell. And then the thing's head just gets cut off as it chases him. And, um, the demons that were pursuing them, are there. And they cut the goddamn thing's head off with a really fucking big sword. Uh-oh.
1: Yeah. Well, you yeah, know, it's interesting. I-, I mentioned last week, let's see what happens when the series is dealing with, like, the idea of just running away from a dangerous beast, and it's like, well, I guess we saw how that works. And then you're like, well, what are they gonna do this time? I'm like, this time's actually a lot easier, because it's just, again, it's that logic of trying to, like, outsmart something. So, I thought it was a really cool conclusion to the chapter, but at Oddly, at the same time, I'm less excited about this cliffhanger than what we had last week.
0: It's a bit of a quick escal- escalation, honestly. I was uh, really not expecting the pursuers to actually catch them this quickly.
1: We'll see what happens. It doesn't seem like they've actually seen Ray yet, so he doesn't—he hasn't actually seen any of them. I guess he just assumed, or whatever the demon's gender is. I don't want to assume it's gender. It could be a monster, a third gender kind of, uh, or a robot maybe. Uh, it says, uh, we found them. It could just be referring to the fact that a creature was chasing something. And that would seem to indicate, since he's the area they expect the kids in, that's what it's doing. So they might yeah. not even actually encounter them.
0: They also, this is also a very big, uh, establishing moment, confirming that there are different types of demons with different levels of intelligence among them.
1: Yippers. Alright, so, just as there were two fairy tale chapters, there are two seven deadly sins chapters to get through, but I'll try to blaze through these. Uh, the first one is 220, the hero's feast, and a good portion of this chapter is basically spent kind of acknowledging that this is the first chance that the seven deadly sins have really had to be together again. Almost every other time one of them has been missing or the timing just kind of hasn't been right for any real satisfactory reunion. But this is a moment when all the sins are together and they can just kind of party. And they do spend most of the chapter doing that. There are a couple details here and there. Like Diane asks Gowther what the original Gouther did to end the Holy War. And Gowther says, I can't talk about it at this time or I don't know if I'm allowed to. And I don't know if you'd actually understand it if you did. Um, uh, Elizabeth has a little bit more of kind of acknowledging what Diane said to her last week and her own sort of thoughts from before about the person who looks like her from Melodias' life previously. Uh, there's some sexual harassment. Uh, Merlin did show up and she uh, seems to be doing pretty okay after getting uh, completely jacked up a little bit ago. But uh, there's an actual reason behind that. Um, they all talk about how they're going to go after the last remaining Ten Commandment. Merlin is legit like she has a pretty cool panel where she just like has this like sinister looking face where she's just like if we all act rashly he'll decimate us all um (laughs) that was kind of cool it was a little over the top but (laughs) i still thought it was pretty cool of like just how serious she is about that um there's a little, little small moment where escobar is like trying to talk to her um and she's just like i gotta get going she starts to fall down when she gets in the room because it turns out she's just, uh, she was kind of pull, pulling it all together for the sake of that party, but she's not actually doing that great. And, uh, Melodius catches her and is like, it's all to protect Arthur, isn't it? And, uh, Merlin says, Melodius, please, I can't lose him. Arthur is my one and only hope. And I, she says that as Escobar is outside the room listening in, which is very sad because you want Escobar to be happy. He's such a dapper good boy. My name is Escanor. Whatever. I don't care. I watched Narcos recently. Escobar is a cooler name. Uh, so then chapter 221 is the next one, which is not loaded up for me at the moment, but essentially continues on when the last one left off, but a little bit more of an extreme to it. So Merlin isn't just tired. She's fucked up. Uh Chapter 20, t- uh, 221, it's all I can do. She's actually, like, really exhausted. And, actually, I guess that's the end of the chapter, so we'll just mention at the start, uh, Elizabeth's still kind of wonky, but actually does mention to Melodias the fact that there's another version of her in his past, and he's just like, whatever, I have no idea what that's about. Uh, Bond and King were listening in, and are, like, talking about,
0: Elizabeth's like- getting more and more hurt, because mm-hmm. she kind of basically knows the truth or she knows a version of the truth and she's trying to get Meliodas to tell her about it. And he's just like,
1: I don't know. Yeah, bah, like, bah, bah, bah. yeah, sorry. I, I trust you. And yeah. And, uh, so Bond and King mock him for it, like uh, having a lover's quarrel. So he just blows a hole through Bond's chest, which is fine because he's immortal, but it's so brutal the way he does it because it's, it's not pulling back. You clearly so he's supposed to be like really miffed that they're there mocking him for it, but it's weird to like treat like, hey, you know, had a hole blow through your chest as comedy.
0: I like how King is like, cause he's like, turns to King he's like, hey, if you do that, I'll actually die. So he just flicks him in the forehead. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, so then we, we cut over to what I was referring to before. Merlin is like bedridden and seemingly really affected by this heavy curse that, uh, uh affected on her and Hendrickson can't seem to fix it. Uh, I like how Escanar calls him (laughs) Hendy-kun, uh, referring to like, hey, like if you can't, then who can? And that's when they pull, uh, Elizabeth in because she has her special magic. Uh, Hendrickson says that her magic is nothing like that of the druids, and it's like something out of a fairy tale. So we cut away to Elizabeth, who's...
0: Hold hands. Yeah,
1: they believe really hard, and then it turns out the Apocalypse Dragon would have killed them if not for the first fairy tale lowly guildmaster showing up and saving them all. Uh, she's inside of what I guess is the curse itself, and we see, uh... Zelda's there and he's like, oh, you, I was wondering what kind of person be able to interfere with my magic. And he just says, uh, poor girl. So the rumors were true. Uh, you're the cursed goddess Elizabeth. Are you still causing my brother pain? And that's how the chapter ends off, which is a kind of exciting cliffhanger for the next chapter. It'll be cool to see where this interaction goes.
0: Someone's gonna go over Meliodas and fucking tell her what's going on. Yeah. Someone needed to. He wasn't gonna say anything, asshole. <laughs> Alright. Let's move over to Black Clover. Uh, last time the fake Zerks Lügner, uh, decided to just drop in and participate in the Royal Knight exam. And, uh, we actually get a not too warm welcome from him because, uh, uh, the Wizard King's assistant steps in, threatens him, refers to him as churl, which is definitely a word I know the definition of. I'm assuming it's bad. <laughs> um, and everyone's like, what the hell are you doing here? What, what are you doing? And so, uh, they, they in particular, like, hey, how dare you You know, uh, not pay respects to the Wizard King? And he's like, I don't respect him, so fuck off. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And it's, I don't know why, like, it's this whole panel of everybody getting really upset and including Asta. And I'm like, I don't know why. I guess I find it really satisfying that someone's shits on the wizard. Like, someone's out there is not like, great, what an awesome dude. I know, <laughs> I don't know why. I just found that so relieving. One person out there is like, eh, he's okay. <laughs> I don't really get the, I don't get the big deal, I guess. Yeah, so you know, he
0: says that and uh he's like, Hey, but you know, we're gonna participate and be Ron ass together, so let's get along and he shakes ass to his hand. he puts something that smells really bad in it. Whatever. Um No one likes him. We get some teams split off. Uh mostly it's characters that we know paired with characters that we know. Like, I don't think that there's a single, like, non noel's sister character that we've seen before that doesn't get that doesn't get paired with at least one other that we know of. Like, you know, there's you know and Noel, there's Magna and Soul, uh then then there's like solid and some guy named Dimitri. I'm not sure if we know
1: who that is. Uh, we must but I don't I can't think of who he is. No. I'm like, I'm trying to think. I would have assumed he'd have been another member of the Silva family based on the design, but he must not be. I don't honestly know. Hold on. Dimitri Blint. This is, this is where good old Google comes in. Cause we don't have Annalisa in the chat to, to help us out here. So I'm going to just assume that, uh, she's been updating the Black Clover Wikia and I can, I can find it out from there. Uh this isn't good. It doesn't pop up when I search for Dimitri Blint. <laughs> okay then. Um we also get this
0: th- apparently this is all going to be like a single elimination ladder tournament. Um they say it won't directly affect whether you pass or fail, but I mean like the more you progress through it the more chances you have to show off how good you are, though. So um Asta and Mimosa have a hard time getting along with Zerx because Zerx doesn't want to cooperate with them, so their magic crystal get, starts getting attacked immediately, and they're like, Shit, what do we do? Zerx, do something. And Zerx is like taking a nap. Um we do get a really awesome like uh look at their team though, in terms of what they're doing, because one of them is basically being their frickin' scout, and the others have set up this frickin' bolista with uh their burst javelin and rock magic so it's a cool looking uh, little panel to introduce uh, their tactics but yeah how is Asta gonna get along with this guy I
1: don't know what the fuck that was I'm tired (laughs) (laughs) I'll make noises too it happens but it was alright um yeah, a lot happens really quickly, and I know it's kind of Black Clover's thing that it moves at, like, a rapid pace, but it, it really was, like, hard to even... Like, in the same chapter, we're introduced to the teams, we're introduced to, like, holy shit, their team's on the ropes. It's like, what? <laughs> holy shit.
0: Happens quickly, yeah. Was cool, cool. yeah. Uh, God damn it, my fucking headset's gonna die if I can't get it to actually charge properly.
1: Uh, you want me to start going through what? One Piece? And- I don't actually have
0: anything else really to say about Black Clover
1: this week, though. So, all right, let's let's wrap this up with One Piece and and head on out of here. Yeah, One Piece. So
0: it's chapter eight hundred sixty eight. KX launcher. We get a kind of okay. So we cut back and forth a little bit from the present and the past, where Big Mom is you know throwing her tantrum, and we also get kind of the aftermath for. Big Mom totally not eating everyone around her as a kid. Um it's uh we you get an explanation finally as to why exactly the giants don't get along with uh, Charlotte. It's because um when there was a warrior of Elbath who kind of caught the very, very end of what happened with Linlin and they were like, Yeah, let's never speak of her again. <laughs> so But we also see the kind of beginnings of the Big Mom Pirates as uh, there was a guy named Strewson who came across Linlin, saw that they could get along because he had a devil fruit ability that it could turn any object into food with the power of the cook, cook fruit. And I think that we're meant to interpret that uh, the person who shouts to her in the present is him. He looks very different because he's got a beard and he's older and stuff, but I think that's the implication of this.
1: Ah, uh, I don't honestly know.
0: So um, they launched the KX launchers because they sense the Big Mom is going to be weakened and she's going to die, and a big two page spread of people, you know, watching and waiting to see if the KX launchers will destroy her. But Big Mom thinks to her herself, "Mother." They're all trying to stop me. And she remembers, oh yeah, Mother Carmel wanted to make her own country. And if only there were such lands, the world would be much more peaceful and everyone could be happy. And, uh, you know, Lunlin, you know, thinking, oh yes, peace is my dream. And, uh, but everything went wrong, you know, because she could make life with her ability that she totally didn't get from eating Mother Carmel. Uh, she got a 50 million berry bounty when she was just a child. Uh, more and more people kept on opposing her because she was so dangerous and she just kept on um, getting bigger and more dangerous over time. And uh, she was trying to, you know, guarantee that, you know, a blend of dreams and peace to people. And they were like, Jesus Christ, you're scary. Um, and uh, now that people have, uh, you know, taken away the one picture she had of Mother Carmel, she's going to make them pay. And she says specifically to herself, I'll make the straw hat crew pay for their sins and lets out this ridiculous, I don't even know exactly what happens. She screams and cries and the KX launcher missiles explode in midair as a result of this. And everyone's like, well, plan failed, let's leave. <laughs> ah,
1: ah, snap.
0: Uh, Caesar Clown. was like, "Okay, I've done my part. I, I can't believe she destroyed the launchers, but okay, time to get out of right here. Here's the mirror." And then she screams again, and the mirror shatters. Whoop! And they was the... are fucked. Uh, everyone's recovering from uh that was under the effects of the uh, enchant en- enchantment. Um, and uh, the Big Mom Pirates are closing in. I also like the montage of reactions we get from people when the mirror gets shattered because they're, you know, like just getting ready to run into it. And you know, Capone is there and he goes, he goes blank face and Luffy's like, oh shit. And Chopper's like, oh shit. And then there's Jinbei just go like, I should have expected it really. but <laughs> <laughs> And after I was such a badass to her. Oh. So Capone goes basically to plan C, which is to summon a huge fortress, the big father. And, uh, he says, come on inside, allied forces, to end the chapter.
1: Yeah, so I guess this is, uh, his super form of the Rookwork fruit. Fruit, where he himself turns into a literal fortress now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I do super love the notion that there is a cannon in his mouth that becomes his cigar that is is super dope.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, uh, that was One Piece. Um... I guess once we launched into the flashback I guess we should have figured that the plan was going to go was going to fail.
1: <laughs> oh well the plan was going to fail from the very beginning. There was no way you were going to take no one of the four biggest opponents ahead. with just missiles.
0: <laughs> right. Poison missiles.
1: <laughs> True. I like the chapter though.
0: Let's wrap things up. Let's declare our favorites and stuff this week.
1: Yeah. So, uh my MVP or my chapter MVP this week is going to go to Dr. Stone. I mm. thought this was a really cool chapter. I liked the, the development we got with Senku and uh overall it was just I think the chapter I enjoyed the most all the way through. Hmm.
0: I totally get that. Uh my favorite was actually Shoot on though. Okay. Uh, it was really exciting and uh, yeah, liked it. And uh my favorite character I'm going to go with Senku though uh for Dr. Stone.
1: Uh, I don't know, I wanna, I guess I'll give it to Senku as well, uh, if for nothing else, and I, I haven't, I don't really have the time to, to think of another answer on top of it. Uh, uh it's basically the same reason I like the chapter as a whole. Um, but there were a lot of, uh, really cool characters and chapters this week. I apologize, by the way, if people are like, man, you guys got to the end of the show and you just started, like, giving shitty answers and, like, following in and out. I mean, for you, Nick, this is like the end of your night.
0: Yeah, and I'm about I, to go to sleep right yeah, after this.
1: So. And uh, I'm here on about three hours sleep, so we apologize if after talking about Death Dote for way longer than we should have, we're running out of steam, but uh, c'est la vie. Mm. Yep, so that
0: is going to do it, everybody. Thank you, everyone who joined us. Uh, if you actually joined us at 7 a.m., gradu- awesome, thank you. Uh, we record the show normally, however, at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Wednesdays, on hitbox.tv not hitbox.tv anymore. Goddammit, smashcast.tv slash and twitch.tv slash If you want to stay updated so that you know, like if we're going to do it on Thursday morning for some goddamn reason, <laughs> uh, you can follow us on Twitter. He's at royalty I'm at ruler of time. The podcast is at WMR Podcast. If you want to give us feedback, ask us questions, uh, or just suggest manga for us to read, you can send all that stuff to weekly recap at yahoo.com. You can also listen to more Weekly Manga Recap on uh, WeeklyMangaRecap.podbean.com, uh, YouTube.com/slash Weekly Recap, and uh, by listening to Weekly Manga Recap on iTunes. And if you do those last two, be sure to subscribe, comment, and rate, and all that stuff, so that we can beat the woodworking podcast in the hobby section. It would be mucho appreciado. And uh, if you want to help out the podcast a little bit more, you can also become a patron, Patreon.com/slash Weekly Recap. All sorts of bonus
1: content for you guys to enjoy. Yes. We'll be getting uh, some more of that stuff out, I think, in the next couple of days or a week or so. Mm-hmm.
0: And uh special thanks, finally, to the guys who helped make the podcast what it is, Infamous Planet, and fucking, I'm oh, so, God, Steve Man. Steve Man,
1: Steve Van our it. title card artist. You can find him at Steve Man on Twitter or on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Steve Man. You can see the title cards Even there. And many he- other
0: places as well, most of yes. it NSFW, though.
1: Yes, if you want to see uh, the full pin-up version of the beast that's in our title card, that's uh, actually up on his Patreon as well. He was super excited to draw her for this week, so you can go check that out there.
0: What, you didn't want to draw all many of the other amazing female characters? <laughs>
1: <laughs> he just draws fucking Naomi hurling herself off a bridge. You're like, oh, why? <laughs>
0: pin-up Rem.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's it, everybody.
1: Bye.
0: Where the hell's that?